0: Because I told Kim, this is not a terrible problem to have, but I've prepared a little too much, so I don't want to keep y'all here forever. So um, we're going to jump in, which I asked Kim, I'm like, I hope I don't have spit up or anything like hanging from my hair that's a total distraction, but um, I did have a lot of kids hanging on me this morning, so if I do, tell me and I'll try to get that. Um, Okay, before we start, I just want to tell y'all, I was telling Kim this. I love teaching because of what it does to my soul. It is so hard to dig through a passage and stand up here and tell y'all what I think you need to do. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what I've learned, and I'm going to tell you what I think God is telling all of us to do. So before we start, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. God, it's always a little nerve-wracking to be up here. It is scary to handle your word. It is scary to feel the weight of this. It is scary even for me as I have seen my sin, how I've seen that there are so many things that I do wrong. There are so many things in my heart. There are so many things, so many sinful things that I'm holding on to, that I'm putting my security and my hope in instead of you and your promises. So Holy Spirit, you have told us that you're with us. You are the one who can make us see these things. You are the one who can make us want to change and repent. So we ask for that grace. We ask for the grace just to see you, to hear you, for you to open our eyes, that we may walk with you um, more closely than we are even now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians 9. Um, Wow, thank you, Sue, for passing that one off. By the way... I'm sorry if you're disappointed and expected to see Sue up here, uh, but I'm teaching today. But 2 Corinthians 9, talking about the giving, is just hard. It is hard. So let's, let's just read it. We're really going to be focusing on verses 5 through 7. So 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 7, let's read it so we'll know what we're talking about. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance For the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." All right, yikes. So the first thing we're going to talk about is sowing. What does sowing mean? Luckily, my dad and my brother-in-law are farmers. So I called them. They're in the Mississippi Delta, so they farm um, a lot. That's what they do. Um, so I called them, and I was like, Mark, walk me through this process of sowing, planting. Give me a little background. And to save us some time, sweet Mark like, sent me this like, 15-step process, <laughs> which is, apparently is the abbreviated version Um, And the first half is what you have to do to prepare the land before you even start planting. And the last part is what you have to do to keep these plants healthy and growing to make it to harvest. So just know there is a lot of work. So, sowing, planting, planting for the purpose of growth. Can we do that easily? Can we do it quickly? No. It is a lot of hard work. it's beautiful that it's springtime. This is when things are blooming and growing. So I feel like this is such a great illustration. What we're going to look at right now is I want us to know that sowing is to be intentional. We have to pray about it. We have to think about it. We have to make a plan. It is a lot of hard work. So I want us to dig into one of these steps before you can even start planting. This process is called subsoiling. So I'll remind some of you what that is. I had no idea what that was. Subsoiling is the process of breaking up the ground that gets compacted from all of the heavy machinery running on top of the soil. So all year long, there's this heavy machinery, whether they're rowing up the fields, cultivating the land, picking the cotton, these heavy machines all year long, back and forth, back and forth over the land. So what does that do? It makes the soil so tight, so thick. You can't plan into that. You have to dig that up so that the roots can grow deep. So they take these shanks, they run it across the field, they go down deep, and they start turning. They start trying to break up this heavy, compacted soil so the roots can have more access to nutrients and water, thus a more healthy plant. I love this application. What's going on in our souls? Think about this heavy machinery. Think about the sin, all of these pet sins that year after year we don't want to deal with. We say, that one's not a big deal. I'm just going to let that one go. Compacted, compacted, compacted. What I think we need to see is before we can even start planting any type of seeds in our own soil, we have to deal with this sin. We cannot just jump in and start going. There is deep-rooted sin in all of our lives. And I'm going to tell you something that I hear a lot and that I've said a lot. I hope I'm not going to say it anymore. But um, it goes like this. Well, I'm sorry. That's just the way that I am. Y'all, if we are Christians and we believe in the gospel, that's not good enough. Who are we? We are sinners. At our core, that sin is there. We cannot settle for that. We have to fight. We have to dig. And we have to dig up that sin that is so deeply rooted so that a healthy plant can grow. So back to the sowing. It is to plant. It is to work hard. So let's start taking this in application to our lives. Are we working hard? What are we working for? Apparently, this is not easy for us to do. Matthew 9.37 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Have you ever thought about this? Why are there so few laborers? God tells us this harvest is ready. It's bountiful. It's ready. It's ready. Go get it. But we get so distracted. Or maybe even we work hard toward those things that have no eternal value. What are you working for? Is it just things in the flesh? Is it just earthly things that we think will satisfy us. So we need to dig up the sin. We have to work really hard to plant. It is a long process. So how do we do this? Verse 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So apparently this working hard, this sowing, this planting, comes full circle with giving so let's look at our giving and I decided giving is just awkward to talk about isn't it I understand why Dr. Young hates talking about money um so I'm going to do it first and get it over with so we can move on right um and I started thinking why is it so awkward why is it so awkward for us to talk about money is it because it is so important to us Is it because we hold on to it so tightly that it has us so wrapped in its grips that we can't even really talk about it with each other? If we viewed our money as coming from God, that it's not even ours, maybe it wouldn't be so awkward. And I was like, what am I supposed to say about giving? Should I just say we need to give more? We're not giving enough? Like, I can tell you I'm not giving enough. I need to give more. So I was like, let's look at a few lies that may be holding us. Let's look at a few lies that we believe. We could sit here and be saying, well, that really doesn't apply to me. I don't have enough money to give bountifully, so let's just move on. But I want you to look at yourself. I want you to look at your budget. I want you to look at your bank statement. And I want myself to do this, and I have been doing this, and it's scary. But where is all of our money going? It's going somewhere. All of us are blessed. We make money. Where is all of our money going? Have we locked ourselves into a standard of living that Satan has told us? You have to have that to be happy. You must have that. You need that. Satan just whispers to us all the time. That money is yours. That's for your happiness. He's filling us with lies. Okay, I'm going to read this quote by C.S. Lewis, and I almost was not going to do it, but then I was like, C.S. Lewis said it, right? I'm not saying it. I'm just reading it. So uh, I know that this is a little intense, but I guess you can take that out with C.S. Lewis when you get to heaven. Okay. I do not believe that one can settle how much he ought to give. I'm afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenses on our comforts and luxuries is up to the standard common with those non-believers who have the same income as us, we are giving away too little. If our charities do not pinch and hamper us, I should say they are too small. And I think this is so, This anyway. There ought to be things we should like to do, but we cannot do because of our giving. And that hurts. What are we giving up? because we want to give and i'm just going to say this too this is not the time to start looking around the room and judging those people next to you our job is to deal with ourselves it is so much easier to look at the sin in other people's lives it is a lot harder to look in our soul so let the holy spirit speak to you about your life and before we move on i just want to say this is so hard for us to do And I think the Bible speaks to this a lot because it is so hard for us to do. So I'm going to read to you in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Now there is great gain and godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich... Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So what did we hear? Money is not evil, is it? It's not the money. It's the love of money. It's the desire to be rich. This is about us. This is not about our money. This is about our soul. This is about our longings. Y'all, we're just hurting ourselves when we cling to it. Let us remember that everything belongs to God. Everything we have is a gift from him. All right, and I want y'all to turn to this, um, if you can. Malachi 3.10 It's the last book in the Old Testament right before Matthew, if you can get there. It's only one verse, so if you don't want to turn there, it's fine. You can just write it down to go back to. But I'm going to read a verse in Malachi 3.10. And I think it was maybe just a couple years ago that somebody pointed this out to me, and I was blown away. I had no idea that the Bible said this. But before I read this verse, I want to remind you, Malachi is a prophet. It's In the Old Testament, it was during a time where the temple was in shambles. People were not giving what they were supposed to be giving, and everything was just a mess. So this is Malachi talking to them, but I think there's a lot we can learn. Malachi 3.10 says, and this is God speaking, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. But wait, I thought we weren't supposed to test God. I know it says that in the Bible. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He says that all the time. But there is one area where he says to test him, and that is with our giving. What does he say? He says, you cannot outgive me. And he says, if you try I will open the window of heaven and pour blessing until there is no more need. All right, I think this is a good time just to stop for a second and have Confession 101 with Aaron. If you all feel like for a second that I'm pointing a finger at you, let me just give you one, one example that probably happened not too long ago. I've only been married for about seven years, and this has happened way more often than I would like to admit. A sweet husband comes to me hey, I think we should just take the sum of money and give it. Let's just give it to somebody. Let's just, what, what ministries do we support? Does anybody just need it? Have you heard of anything? What is my response? The most recent one was, okay, wait, spring's coming up. Do we have new clothes? Has everybody got new shoes? Have we put money in the vacation budget and the retirement fund? And have we maxed out everything and just made sure that we've done all those things? Now, let me just say this. There is nothing wrong with new clothes. There is nothing wrong with a college fund. There is nothing wrong with a vacation budget. We are supposed to be good stewards of our money. But what do you hear in my voice? Fear. Selfishness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's take care of us first. Let's just make sure we are taken care of. The bigger question that we are asking ourselves today, where are we putting our security and our hope? What is going on in our souls are we, are we trusting in God? It is something that we all really need to look at. Everything we have comes from God, y'all. We need to be able to give freely, cheerfully, joyfully with open hands. I'm saying this to me. I need to repent. I need to change. And I really do hope that in the future I'll look at Andy and say, that's a great idea. Let's pray about it and see where he wants us to give. So moving on. Is sowing just talking about our money? Absolutely not. Let's look at Galatians 6, 7 through 10. And let me read this to you. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Sorry. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we see in the sowing and reaping we are working hard, We are to do good to those around us. So let me ask you this. What are you sowing? And I really want you just to think. I'm going to probably give us 10 seconds because I'm already running out of time. But what do you do every day? What are you sowing in your soul, your children, your family? What are you doing? God is challenging me so much in this area. It's so easy for us to run our errands, do our chores make our to-do list, and never stop for a second and think about what are we actually doing. The sewing is intentional. It takes planning. We have to follow the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. I'm not for a second say stick to your plan. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. Okay, and this is just a small example. I'm going to fly through it. But so something I've been working on is I have three little kids. Cole Pierce, my oldest, would read all day long. We could read the Jesus Storybook Bible like 15 times and talk about it, and he would be happy. But there's Davis and Charlie now, two and six months. That's not going to fly. They will not sit there. They will not listen. So what am I supposed to say? We can't read the Bible. Whoops, just moving on. No, we can't do that. Now, instead of reading the story of the Red Sea, we lay out the couch cushions. We come up to it. We let the couch cushions come up and now Davis and Charlie are screaming jubilantly and waving their hands as we're walking through the Red Sea. We come back, as the Egyptians try to go through, all of a sudden the sea crashes. And all of a sudden, Cole and Davis are wrestling and all is right with the world. So am I just trying to do something to waste time? Maybe a little bit. It might be a filler of time. However, the bigger question is, I am trying to show them that God is powerful. He can open the sea at his command. He can close it and wipe out people that he is trying to save his children from. Y'all, he is powerful. How are we planting these seeds throughout our day? I know a lot of you don't have little kids, but I even heard a woman tell me every night when she cooks dinner, she listens to a sermon. I can't do that right now. That would be a disaster. But she is planting these eternal seeds while she is doing something she has to do. Don't stop doing your chores. We have to do chores. We have to plan and make to-do lists. But how are you working in eternal seeds in the midst of that? So what are eternal seeds? Where do we find them? How do we know what to do? Y'all, the Bible is filled with them. We can start working today and never be finished. There are so many eternal seeds he tells us that we can be planting. Moving on. Verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. So even if you walk out of here and you feel guilty and you're like, she told me to give, let me go get my checkbook, let me write something, just let me do it and get it done. Are we done? No. God loves a cheerful giver. He tells us in verse 5, do not give as an exaction. An exaction means to demand or require something. That's not what he wants for us. And by the way, he doesn't need our money. He can do whatever he wants in an instant. It's not about the money. It's about our souls. He is so generous. We read, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. He gives with no strings attached. Can we ever repay him? Absolutely not. Is our giving no strings attached? Freely, joyfully, cheerfully. I want to do this because I've been given everything. So, in closing... Lest I have made you all legalistic, let's not end there. Let's close by looking at our powerful, generous God. Even though we're supposed to work hard, let's not forget God. My favorite thing that Mark told me about farming was this. The land has to have a view of the sun and access to water. Say that again. For plants to grow, the land has to have a view of the sun and access to water. So if we're over here thinking, I've got to get it together. I've been slacking. I haven't been planting these eternal seeds. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to get going. We're going to work hard. We're going to get this done. Or you can be on the opposite extreme. Too much, Aaron. I'm falling apart. My life is in shambles. I am just barely making it through the day. I cannot survive right now. It's too much. Not even going to try. I'm going to crumble. Not even going to try. Let me ask you this. Who is in charge of the sun? Who makes that sun rise every day? Who guides it across the sky? Who makes it set? And so faithfully makes it rise again every single day. Who is the source of providing that water? Who makes it rain? God. Without God, nothing will grow. He is in charge of the growing. That should be so freeing. That's where this freedom comes from. Our job is to work and to work as hard as we can. But God and only God will give the growth. Let's don't forget about that sweet little woman who put that little coin in the offering plate. It was not much, but it was all she had. She gave everything she had, all of her security, all of her hope, all of everything she had, she put in that offering plate, y'all. Some of us don't have a lot to give right now. And that can be money, physically, mentally. We're just exhausted. We have nothing to give. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay. God knows that. He is the very one who is giving you exactly what you're dealing with right now. But let me remind you, it is God who takes the tiniest seed and moves mountains with it. If you don't have a lot to give, it is fine. It is fine. We studied 1 Corinthians last time. and 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God is the only one who can make things grow. So don't get in your head too much. Don't worry about things so much. You have freedom. You have freedom in Christ. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And since we're out of time, I'm just going to read verse 8 to end. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is the enabler. Everything we do, anything we touch, if it turns out to be something good, it is God. If I tell you I'm going to wake up for the rest of my life and I'm going to try to sow eternal seeds to my marriage so that my kids will know Jesus, I can work my tail off. But do you know what? If they know Jesus, it is God's grace. It is not because I put the couch cushions on the floor. It is because God, in his mercy, called them to himself. If I die and I'm still married to Andy and we are happy and we are, have a God-honoring marriage, it is because of God's grace. We have to remember that is not up to us. So work hard, but know that it is the grace of God if anything grows. So let's pray and ask Him for that grace. God, we are so thankful that you're in charge. If it was up to us, we would fail, things would fall apart. But it doesn't end there. God, you are so kind, and you are so generous, and you are so gracious and full of mercy. I pray that we would all remember this, that we would know that everything we have comes from you. And because of the great, great love you have given us through your son Jesus, that it would change our lives, that we would be able to live with open hands, freely and cheerfully, giving of ourselves, giving of our money, giving of whatever we have, because we know the things of this world will fade away. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for your Bible, where there is so much truth. Help give us discipline, so that is where we will search for all the things that we need. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.